So this is the first time I preach uh, here at Riverside in a Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you don't fall asleep, it's going to be win for me. Okay. So, <laughs> but before we, we go into the message, I have something very important to, to say, um, which is about the warm space. A big thank you for those who volunteered to make it happen. You are re indeed making it happen. Um, but our next dream about Warm Space is to keep it running throughout the holiday season, from the 26th until the 2nd of January. But for that, we need more volunteers. So if you have availability and you want to invest more of your time in that, I have to give you the reason, which is we want to have a space where families can come, we can offer uh, a simple meal for children that may not have much during the season. And we have two uh, slots of time, which is from 9 to 12 and from 11.30 to 2.30. So if you're free to give three hours of your day throughout this holiday season, or even more, you can do it. Just send me an email, it's going to appear in the, the screen. Send me an email with the date and the slot you want to serve, and then I'll get back to you and arrange everything you need to know about it. So, yeah, thank you. Done? Okay, good. So, today is the second Sunday of the Advent series, Come, Let Us Adore Him, which is focused on preparing our hearts and minds for engaging with the meaning of Jesus' birth, and therefore, the meaning of Christmas. In this, if this is your first time here, you are very welcome. Please explore what you have to offer, but we would like to invite you to go through all the season until the Christmas day where we have our final um, um, service talking about the coming of Jesus Christ, at least for now. So, yeah, Jesus is God's king, is the message for today. And um, before we proceed, I need to ask you one question. Do you know this guy there? Well, I'm, it was not on purpose to be green today, but I used to be like this guy. Um, I used to hate Christmas. I won't give you the reasons now because it's not relevant. But the thing is, as, as the Grinch, I was redeemed as well. I, now I love Christmas. And, uh, but the reason I now love Christmas is because I understood what it is all about. I understood that Jesus could not have died, been raised from the dead, and ascended to heaven if he was not born as a baby. The meaning of Jesus' life and everything that he did would not be the same if he didn't come through the normal means of being a baby and being born. But this is another talk about Jesus, the Son of God, becoming flesh. I want to read the text with you for today, which is Isaiah 9, from 2 to 7. It's going to appear uh, in the screen as well, or you can follow in your gadget or a paper Bible if you have one. 
So we're going to read from verses 2 to 7, Isaiah 9. This is how it reads. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined to burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over this kingdom, his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Some uh, Bible scholars, they say that this text is not referring to Jesus. It's referring to a descendant of the royal house that would ascend to the throne. And these godly names given were like a common thing given to kings. And I do understand that they think about it because they analyze only the text as a, a Jewish uh, or in a Jewish perspective. But this text generated a lot of um, hope in the hearts of people about someone that would come and bring all this wonderful promise to a fulfillment. As far as I, I, I know, no Jewish king has done that. But we can see that becoming true in the life of Jesus. Isaiah lived about 700 years before Christ. And he brought with this announcement, my way of seeing it, not only talking about the Messiah uh, who would come, but also he kind of embedded this message with the gospel. And if we're going to put it in simple terms, the gospel is announcing that humanity has a problem, God has, God has a solution for the problem, and how the problem is solved. This is the simple way to say what the gospel is all about. So, this is how I structured this message, as Isaiah uh, uh, put it. So, the first thing that we have to understand that humanity is dominated by darkness. This is the problem. Humanity is dominated by darkness. Isaiah depicts people walking and living in darkness. Walking and living in darkness. It is clear that he's not talking about daylight. Darkness as daylight. Because otherwise it would be like eternal darkness, and we know that it didn't happen. It never happened in the history of, of the world. There is always day and night. So that's not the darkness Isaiah is talking about. Darkness is a figure of speech. 
and a figure of speech can mean different things depending on the context. The context. For some people, darkness can mean ignorance. For example, there was a time in history that they called dark ages because there was no, not enough information of no, or knowledge, spread of knowledge. It can be also darkness, uh, uh, circumstantial darkness when we have problems. It's, it's, it's quite common people say, oh, I've been through dark days, referring to troubled times. can be also emotional and mental struggle. Sometimes we say, oh, he's in a dark place after what happened, meaning that there is emotional distress or mental uh, health issues that can mean darkness for some people. But bluntly, can also mean evil. Evil in people. We say, some people do dark things. And we are referring to the evil side of humanity. But there is also spiritual evil. Evil spirits. The Bible is full of examples of that. But I understand that what Isaiah is talking about, evil, is the absence of God. Or darkness as the absence of God. So, Albert Einstein in one of his famous quotes, he said, God did not create evil. Just as darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of God. But if we compare this principle that uh, uh, darkness is the absence of light, for example, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, the author um, as a representative of the, the, the first disciples, he says that Jesus gave them a message. The, the, the message that they received from Jesus is that God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So, if we can then uh, break down uh, Einstein's quote, we would say that darkness is also absence of God. Because God is light. So darkness is the absence of light. So the people walking in living darkness are people living and walking without God. So this is our problem. We leave God out of our lives. And therefore, we live in darkness. So what's the solution? What's the solution for this problem, the problem of darkness? Isaiah points out the solution by simply and firstly depicting what is life when we see light. So these people that were walking in darkness, they saw the light. A great light. A great light. <clears throat> so, I have to call another quote, but now from Martin Luther King, who said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do it. So, it's easy then. If God is light, to see the light is to see God. If we see God, 
then we come out of darkness. But it's interesting then that when we see God, and, and this, is, this is how uh, uh, we, we have to understand what Isaiah is saying, he starts to depict what happens when we see light or when we see God. So the first thing that happens to us, God gives us freedom. When we see God, He gives us freedom. Freedom from our burdens and from all sorts of oppression. On the verse 4, it says, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. These people that living in darkness were enslaved but when they saw God, they were freed, they were delivered, they were set free because they saw the light. God gives us freedom from burdens and all sorts of oppression. But not only that, God also gives us freedom to. He gives us freedom from, referring to our past, but then He gives us freedom to, which is our future. Freedom to belong and to become. On the verse 3, part A, he says, you have enlarged the nation. Meaning that more people were becoming part of the nation. He's referring to a people that are now seeing the light. And therefore, they are free to belong to this nation and to become this nation. When God enters our life, we become part and we belong to a community of freed people. The church is a community of freed people. We celebrate the freedom God gives us. That's why we talk a lot about God, about freedom, about who we are in Him. But when we see God, not only that happen, but our joy increases through His presence. This is what Isaiah is, is, is saying. When we see light, our joy is increased in the presence of God. Again, the verse, verse 3, part A, he said, You increased their joy. The joy as freed people comes from God and from the presence of God. We now are found in his presence. And in his presence, we can rejoice. As we always say here, all good things start in the presence of God. Sometimes it happens when we are together. His presence is strong and increased and we rejoice. Sometimes when we are alone, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm driving, listening to worship, and I enter in a state of joy because the presence of God reveals itself to me. And it's so amazing, so great, so beautiful. It's so good. When we see God, He gives us a new and better values to live. This is the third example of uh, our lives when we see God. This is kingdom language, you know, new values to live, a new kingdom that we belong to. And it's interesting because um, uh, in this part, verses 5 and 7, Isaiah uses government and principles. New lives that we have and, and we can, and Jesus calls us to live uh, uh, by these, these uh, new values. 
which are peace. It says that the garments using war are destroyed in verse 5. It means that a life that before was, you know, always ready to fight, fight people, fight life. I'm not saying fight for life, but fighting really with, with uh, uh, anger and, and, and sometimes distress or desperation or hate. We are called to live in peace, peace with one another, and also peace inside. But not only that, to live in justice and righteousness. These principles are the foundation of God's kingdom, justice and righteousness. So, we have established so far that to live without God is to live in darkness. We have also established that a life, when we see God, is totally different. It's out of darkness. But we haven't just, uh, uh, um, declared yet how. Because how can a human being see God? How can we see God? It's interesting because this is one of the disciples' questions to Jesus. He said, Jesus, show us the Father. Show us the Father. Can you remember what Jesus told him? Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, verse 9, part B, Jesus once answered him, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So we can say that to see God, first of all, is to see Jesus. So this is the answer and how the solution of God come to our life. Through Jesus, or through, Je through seeing Jesus, to looking at Jesus. So, look at Jesus. But, why Jesus? I think I caught it from somewhere else, isn't it? Why Jesus? We have a booklet called that. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? It's interesting because there is a song from, from Hillsong called Seasons. And one of, of the phrases in the song is, You, God, could, save, could have saved us in a second. Instead, you sent a child. What mystery is this? In a blink of an eye, God could have, have saved us, but he sent a child. What's the message here? So, so interesting. First of all, God sent Jesus as a child because Jesus is approachable. On, on verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born. For to us a child is born. Last Sunday, George made a magnificent work, pointed out how humble. It is for the creator to be held by creation as a baby. How approachable it is. Jesus' birth is one of the greatest mysteries of God's love. A newborn child is vulnerable, is innocent, 
is lovable, is dependable, and it's approachable. God's king is approachable because he's humble. Who cannot approach a baby? Who cannot approach a child? Why Jesus? Also because Jesus is relational. Again, verse 6, it says, For to us was not for monkeys, for ants, or no. To us. And in that sense, Isaiah is including himself among the people who are living in darkness. And that is also reality about us. For to us who live in darkness, for to us, a child is born. An approachable God, but also a relational God. All the names identifying who Jesus is are, are, are aspects of a relationship. Verse 6 says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of these um, um, titles refer to, a, to aspects of a relationship. He's calling us to this relationship, and it's so good when Jesus gives us counsel, when we know what to do because suddenly we have this connection and he speaks to us. Also when he shows himself mighty to save, saving us from, from danger, saving us from all sorts of evil, but also showing us the Father, the eternal Father, the, and the eternal reality of us as children of God, and the am amazing peace that we have through Jesus Christ. But the final reason why Jesus is because Jesus is inviting to us, a son is given. But what, what is inviting about, about, about a son being given to us? Now, this is the mystery of Christmas. We have to understand that God's invitation to engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ, his son, is everywhere in Scripture, in the Bible. Isaiah could have just said, um, a child is given, as he said. But no, he also progressed into that and say, a son is given. The son of God is given to us. God invited the wise men to follow a star showing where Jesus was. He also sent an angel to invite the shepherds to see the newborn baby. He said to them in Luke 2:11, "You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying on a manger." Jesus throughout his life gives his own example of this invitation. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
He said also, come and you will see. When some disciples asked him where he lived, he said, come, come and see. Come and we can strike a relationship. Start it. He also said, come, follow me, inviting people to become disciples. Then he, he talks in a parable where we should go and invite others, but also giving this amazing aspect of God's invitation to a banquet. He said, go invite anyone you find this is the, the parable of saying, go invite anyone you find in Matthew 22, 9. But then we see Philip. Philip saw Jesus and something happened in his life. Then he comes to his uh, um, friend Nathaniel and say, come, come and see. Come, come and see. So there are two applications that I would like to, if you, if, you, if you go out today not remembering anything that I said, if you remember these two applications now, I'm going to be a happy man. First, if you have already said yes to Jesus, who are you going to invite to come and behold him? Come and see him. Because when we see God through Jesus, we see light. And our lives are never the same again. Who are you going to invite? As we say here, the invitation is our part. The rest is God's. Secondly, if you are here and you have never said yes to Jesus, God is inviting you to a relationship with him through Jesus. Jesus is approachable, is relational, and is inviting you today. Why don't you say yes to his invitation? So if you are here, and you would like to say yes. You can do that through a simple prayer. If you want to do that, that, I can say a prayer now. And you can follow it and make it as your own. So let us all close our eyes. Father, I say yes to your invitation. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to your light. I want to start a new relationship with you. Please forgive me for the times I have neglected this invitation. But now, I say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to say that if you have said this prayer, 
you can come talk to me or Rob or any of the people that you saw in the stage. And we'd love to help you in this new season of your life. But I would like to close using St. Francis of Assisi's uh, quote. It says, All the darkness in the world cannot distinguish the light of a single candle. When we see Jesus, we become candles of his light and no darkness in the world. No darkness in the world can distinguish it. God bless you. 